going on folks welcome to big dudes in the trenches and we have so much football this weekend that i actually didn't even plan a weird introduction for us so i said we get into things <laughs> we have all three of us here bug dug and tug on deck for you and uh there's a lot happening and we need to talk about all of it right off the bat, shout out icarus bat thanks for joining us this week and everybody else on twitch and facebook we uh, look forward to seeing your comments in the chat here. We've got a lot to go through. All right, guys. Doug, you said you didn't have any weird intro for us, funny intro for us, but uh, I, I, I do. Um, I'm scared. The boat himself has retired. Um, yeah. Blake Bortles has, has retired from the NFL. Um, what a career backup, guys. Uh, we do this every time, and I need to do it again. Is no. the boat a Hall of Famer? No, hundred percent. Does he do? Do we include the boat in the Hall of Fame of nicknames? I think the boat is a fantastic nickname, but he was not a Hall of Fame quarterback. That's that's I will, fine. I will not shave my mustache either. <laughs> for the record, I that's cool. We agree he's not a football Hall of Famer, but is he a nickname Hall of Famer? You literally asked that already, and we kind of agreed. So, <laughs> all right, uh, that is is not oh, uh, the only retirement this week. Uh, Cole Beasley's uh, return to the NFL was short lived. Uh, came back, played two weeks, uh, and is also retiring again. He didn't even get divorced by Giselle, so it's kind of wild. <laughs> Dude, was could he you... even on the active roster that first yes. week they signed him? Was he just on the yeah. practice squad? Yeah, he was, he was on the active. Because that was the week they had no wide receivers. Because Julio was out, Mike Evans was suspended, Godwin was out. So they picked up a white receiver. They, they did the retired. typical Tom Brady move. It didn't work. Well, it worked for a, game. a loss. That's, that's what it worked for. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, let's let's move on. I'm not going to ask the Hall of Fame question about Cole Beasley. That one I think we've already had when he retired the first time. Um, that being said, Jeremy Chin is going to the IR. Guys, this hurts uh, me personally. He is a stud on my Dynasty Fantasy team. We have IDPs. Um, this hurts. Hamstrings for, fucking hurt, too. Yeah, it, the worst Fuck. part of it, not only do hamstrings hurt, but they linger. Right, so even after you get back, he, the risk of re-injury is super high. He's expected but, to miss four weeks. What What are your guys' takes on this? You're right; they linger. But the plus side is he plays in Carolina. Uh, I know it's not going to be like super warm, like it would be if he played in Florida. Uh, but playing somewhere where it's at least a little bit warmer is going to be to his benefit uh, as this injury wears on and as he starts to heal more and more from it. Uh, yeah, I never tore a hamstring. I had one partially torn and it's, it was cold when it happened and it was cold for the first couple of weeks after it happened. It was in the spring in Illinois playing baseball. It sucks. Uh, he has an NFL crew of trainers and doctors and he's in a warmer climate. I think if he comes back that fifth week, uh, comes back that fifth or sixth week, I think he'll probably be okay. 
On the other hand, I don't even know if it's worth bringing him back at that point. This is a guy you're going to be able to build your secondary around. Keep him out the rest of the year because this Panthers team is not going to be doing anything at that point in the season. I don't know about keeping him out the whole year. If he's ready to go at some point, you'd like to see him get some reps in. At the same time, I've seen a situation much closer to home for me with a hamstring. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba going down week one against Notre Dame, and Ohio State hasn't really played him. Right, and it's we're heading into week six now. So I don't really expect to see him on the field for a while either. Hamstrings do take a, a while. Yep. All right, the fun news of the week, if you could call it fun, is there was a protester on Monday Night Football. Um, I can't tell you anything about him. I can't tell you what his cause was. He's just called a protester uh, with pink smoke grenades on the field. Uh, how yeah, you got those reveals have to be stopped. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All, right. All I know All right. is Eli Manning called it amateur hour because he wasn't completely naked. So, I mean, there's that. <laughs> All right. Here's my question. Number one, how did he get those into the stadium? Dude, that is, um, that is something I haven't even thought about, but that's a legitimate concern. Uh, true. I'm pretty sure those are probably <laughs> illegal in the state of California to begin with. And now you've gotten them into Levi Stadium. Like, I, I can't was believe you're the first person. Yeah, yeah, it was. I can't believe you're the first person to bring this up. Literally have not seen anybody else say anything about the fact that he brought a smoke grenade into a fucking NFL stadium. <laughs> I'm just going to say, there. have you checked his butthole? <laughs> 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 We did not. The classic. It's debatable about who did, and there is an active investigation now into that complaint. Um, Bobby Wagner absolutely laid this dude out. Like, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. If if I could, this is the best tackle he made all night. (laughs) Dude, just played the Rams made all night. I don't understand how this is an investigation. You've seen everything you need to see. I don't yeah. know. There's no details on what the investigation is, what they're investigating specifically with this, but a police report has been filed against Bobby Wagner. He is under investigation, as is the entire Rams organization. Guys, could the state of California make itself any more of a comedy show? It could. It could, like, actually punish Bobby Wagner for it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I can't imagine that happening, but we'll see. All right, I do have some more fun news for us. Guys, the card is set. Jake Paul is taking on Anderson Silva. Why are we talking about that on a football show? Well, Well, because the undercard is Le'Veon Bell versus Uriah Hall. This is Le'Veon Bell's first professional boxing match. This is his his debut to professional boxing. And you might be thinking, hey, he took on Frank Gore and kicked his ass. And you're right, that was amateur hour. That was real amateur hour, actually. This is professional hour now. Le'Veon Bell is ready to go. Guys, where's I'm, your money going on this? Are, are you taking Le'Veon Bell? Staying in but, my pocket. It, yeah. yeah, okay. So if somebody <laughs> said, gave you 100 bucks and said and told you to go bet, 50-50 is not an option. Where are you putting your money? All right, then I'm going 51-49 on somebody. <laughs> I just said you can't be cool. One way you got to lose something. I'm putting 49 on the 
better odds and 51 on the worst odds and trying to come out with as much as possible. All right. That's, that's where I'm at with that. I have no idea what's going to happen here. Le'Veon Bell is a great athlete, and we know that's a, for, for sure. Uriah Hall is kind of old at this point, former UFC fighter. 38. Don't know how great he's going to be in pure boxing. But I think it's interesting you mentioned that he's the first UFC fighter in history to win a fight without throwing a single strike. And he's 38. Le'Veon Bell is 30. It's I, I would put my money on Le'Veon Bell, um, but I would prefer not to bet on these fights because <laughs> right. they're a sham and a shame to the boxing community. And I'm sorry that this is happening to all the boxing fans out there in the world. That's bad. Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva is a complete joke. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes. All right. I am going to move us on, guys. We do have these. These I want to use as quick hitters. I've got two questions for you. I'm going to give you a set of four coaches. Um, two, we all believe, are very much in the hot seat. Two, it's getting pretty hot down there. Like It's like your seat heater is on just a little too high in your car. Uh, so for the first here, we have Matt Rule of the Carolina Panthers and Ron Riviera out of the Commander, the Washington Commanders. Guys, whose seat is the hottest in the NFL right now? Between Riviera boat, Ron? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That's tough. Probably Matt Rule. I mean, at least Ron Rivera has respect around the league and stuff. He, he has respect, and he has the excuse that he has some key injuries, and they still don't have a quarterback. Right. Right. Uh, so I think there's there's enough excuses for Ron Rivera, but you would have expected this team to be better. I would say Matt Rule's in a much worse position as well. Um, Panthers fans, and I don't know how much that matters to the ownership, but they are fed up with Matt Rule. Matt Rule has made statements that he doesn't really want to be coaching in the NFL in the past, and he's had to backtrack from all those as well. So I, I would have to say Matt Rule is probably, if one of these guys is going to get fired during the season, it would be Matt Rule. All right. Now our next one, these are guys that honestly I'm looking at this, and these seem to be like week 18 fires, so Black Black Monday fires. Um, we've got two different guys on the spectrum here. You've got one who's a first-year head coach. You've got one who's got experience and has brought division. I believe he's brought a division championship to Indianapolis, at least one. Um, you've got Frank Reich and Nathaniel Hackett. Who Whose seat is warming up the fastest? On one hand, it's definitely not fair to Nathaniel Hackett because he's only coached four games. At the same time, those four games look kind of whack. <laughs> he has a guy that's arguably a first ballot Hall of Famer at quarterback as well. And it's right. not like he has scrubs at wide receiver. The run game, like, I, I, I don't even know. I, yeah, could their receiving core be better? Absolutely. But Cortland Sutton and – Yeah, you've, uh, you've been hating on the Broncos receiving core all year, though, Tug. I'm consistent. They are – they they don't have that stud. They've got Jerry Judy Agreed. who has the potential, who has the potential, but they're not a a head turning wide receiver core. Agreed, and I think but that's they have something like three you, above average guys. I would say, and I think that's something that is probably part of the issue is nobody's really risen to the top. Yep. Russell Wilson hasn't been able to elevate anybody to that top position yet either. And then you've got issues on the defense. So, I, and I think that was something everybody kind of knew was going to be an issue this year. I think the defensive woes are not a surprise. 
But it's definitely a surprise on the offensive side of the ball. And then Devontae Williams going out doesn't hurt or doesn't help because uh, Melvin Gordon hurts your team as much as he helps. He fumbles the ball two or three times a game at this point. It's that arthritis, dude. Spread to his hands, I guess. (sighs) That was mean. I'm sorry. I can't look you in the face and tell you what's wrong with the Colts. I think everybody is shocked at how bad this team is this year. Um, right. I know that I have a hard time understanding what's going on because I always underestimate the Colts and they always come out and they, you know, compete in the AFC South, which is a bad division, right? But they would compete against other teams in the league as well. And this year, I don't, I don't have any faith that they'll even be competitive in the AFC South. Yeah, it's a long season yet to go with that, though. I don't really know. I don't want to put judgment on them just yet, necessarily. I also feel like with the way they lost to the Jaguars at the end of last season, rolling into this season with a new quarterback, all the expectations that were put on Jonathan Taylor, all the respect that's been given to this offensive line and how poorly it's performing so far, there has to be a closer look at Frank Reich. And it really sucks for the Colts because they just gave him a six-year extension this offseason. So I don't know how that's going to work out. Only for that reason, I would say it's very unlikely he gets fired here, but there's going to be some conversations for sure. There has to be. You know what? Let's continue. Unless things improve. And I guess we'll find out on both these guys tonight. Live, I was live. just going to say, let's, <laughs> let, let's go ahead and capitalize and have this conversation because the Broncos are actively taking on the Colts in Denver. Uh, I believe it is currently 3-0 Denver over the Colts. Uh, both offenses, I believe it is. Let me look at what it is. <laughs> both offenses are still playing like trash, uh, by the way, from what I have seen. Uh, we're That's not cool. picking these, at least not officially, but who do you guys like in this matchup? I mean, going into it, I said the Broncos, especially at home. That's fair. (laughs) I think the Broncos' offense is definitely better, and I think I got to give it to them there because both these teams have questionable defenses right now. Uh, So I think think that's the way you got to go. I I would make the argument that the defenses are what kept both of these teams in the games they've been in. Yeah, but they've also cost their teams. Right? Oh, like this fair, is fair. this is not these are not perfect defenses. You want to no. you don't want to be sitting here hanging your hat on them, and you certainly don't want them as your fantasy defense. If we want to break it down that way, the only consistency on either of these teams is that the offenses have been pretty bad. Facts. Other than that, everywhere inconsistent. Offenses have been consistently bad. <laughs> the rest of the teams have been inconsistent. <laughs> All right. All right, let's get the slides up here, guys, and let's talk about our picks for this week. Well, we can't go straight into that. I mean, we do have one last team that, right. you know, maybe maybe this coach is not necessarily on the hot seat, but definitely worth talking about and keep taking a look at. I mean, we talked about how the AFC West was going to be the division this year. And one of the teams that we keyed in on was the Los Angeles Chargers. And, and now – have they really been that great? They're two and two. Yeah, they've got some injuries. And yeah, Justin Herbert isn't having the best season. Because he's injured. Yeah. 
But is I mean, are there weapons in June? Is there are there injuries at wide receiver? Austin Eckler's still playing great. How much is that injury for you know? How much is that Bosa injury really hampering this defense at this point? You got to figure that's right. where their biggest weakness is. is oh yeah. Bosa. Well, like you had said with a couple of the other coaches, they can't really prevent injuries. So there's a few things they can do, but to this extent, it's kind of hard to really think about. And the Chargers seem to be plagued with that every year, no matter who the coach is. So I don't. Maybe know it's time to fire medical the medical. Staff. Yeah, I was going to say the one who freaking is under investigation for Gerard Taylor, but you know, we'll, we'll keep him on board. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. It doesn't feel right with the Chargers now. That's kind of where I'm at with them. I don't know whose fault that is. I don't feel like it's Herbert's fault. It could be. I kind of doubt it. They caught some key injuries on the offensive line. Losing. Uh, Slater is huge. Right. Well, right, and that's kind of where we're at, is uh, Slater, Joey Bosa, those are two cornerstone pieces of your team in the trenches, and if we don't recognize the importance of those guys, we're kind of antithetical to the name of our own ship. So, that is crucial, and really hard to do without those guys. At the same time, I feel like they're in some games that they have no place being in <laughs> and yet still find ways to lose. And they lose games that they have no business losing very ugly. And it's like, there's, there's some weird, I don't know what it is going on here. Football, when it comes to the chargers, just hasn't made logical sense recently. Since they left San Diego. Uh I don't know, since the 1960s, more and more accurately. <laughs> so, oh, since they got rid of the true powder blues. Yes, the OGs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's where I'm at with the Chargers. I don't know. I don't know if Brandon Staley's actually on any kind of hot seat watch or anything like that, but <laughs> I, I, I kind of personally wouldn't be too surprised if they look for a more traditional guy. Fair enough. Alright. Or maybe go in the neo-traditional route of just hiring Sean McVay's best friend at the moment. Which or Kyle seems to work for a couple teams. Or Kyle Shanahan's. Yeah, Sean McVay's the new hottest, though. <laughs> Alright, let's get those slides up and see where we're at. Alright. Finalizing our picks. Speaking of Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> Doug, you creeped one pick closer to me. Damn um, right, sucker. Damn. Coming Damn. for that title. <laughs> it wasn't even close, too. The 49ers looked pretty dang good. Um, and at times, the Rams look kind of trash. I will say, though, that I do think the Rams are still probably going to win this division. That's how I'm at with it. That's kind of how they are, though. I've got serious questions about what's going on with Matt Stafford. Uh, I had those questions after week one, and... It has not been – there's not been enough consistency to convince me otherwise that he is it, completely good to go. It's it's his shoulder that was his, coming it was his in. elbow. Okay, either way, it's the thing on his throwing arm that is fairly important to playing quarterback. Yeah. So, who knows? You know, if he gets it sorted out, then, yeah, I definitely feel confident putting everything behind the Rams. But right now, it's there's a lot in question with that team. 
for sure. But that's last week. Well, I guess not technically last week. It was like four days ago. Get that. That out was of my last face. NFL week. Get it out of my face. We need to talk about tonight and this weekend because. Oh God, we are meaning ourselves so hard on Monday night. I know. I can't wait for that. Uh, but no. here's the same. Here's the time. I just really don't believe in the Raiders to win at Kansas City. That's kind of where I'm at. That's Monday night for you. Um, like we talked about, we don't Thursday games because they're happening live as we are live. Just kind of keep ourselves honest. Uh, Sunday night, though, AFC North matchup. Bengals heading to M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore to face the Ravens. This would have been a very exciting matchup middle of last season. <laughs> this season, I don't know. Things might be heating up, but also the Bengals don't look like the same team. So I, it, I don't know what this to think is, about it. This is an intriguing matchup for a few reasons. Number one, they're both coming into the into the game two and two. Uh, so this really is a battle for the top of the AFC North right now. But number two is I believe the Ravens have lost six straight home games at this point. Which well, they've never they're done. They're two and two this season, but they've only trailed in any game, like across the entire season, across all four games. They've only trailed for a total of fourteen seconds, and they're two and two at the so, end of games. Yeah, yeah, they've blown two three score leads. It's like, unreal. You like, gotta I have think. To, I have to pick the Ravens. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. you. I'm picking the Ravens in this one. You gotta think that the choking is gonna come to an end, but I don't think it's gonna be this game. I know the Bengals are not playing as well as they could have been. Uh, we're we're essentially a quarter of the way through the season here. Get get over that Super Bowl hangover. I know they didn't win, uh, but get over it a little bit. Get into the divisional matchup here and make the Ravens choke again. I I think the Bengals are gonna pick so. It's definitely possible. I, We've seen Stranger Things. I still I want Lamar to win MVP. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Doug. Hey, he's back. That was a quick one. I was going to say, I um, I don't know, man. The Ravens have – it doesn't look like it with the scores they've given up, but the Ravens really do have one of the better defenses than the Bengals have seen this year. Um, so that's kind of concerning for me. What's going to be interesting is, you know, T. Higgins has kind of gone off the past couple of weeks. Is Jamar Chase ever going to show up? Is Joe Mixon going to figure out the run game again? There, there are a lot of concerning things with this Bengals offense, and the defense is what it is. Again, I don't have faith in the Ravens down the stretch, and they need to do something to prove to me that they can actually hold on to a lead. Absolutely, I agree. All right. The Chiefs are going to beat the Raiders. Let's move on. That, yeah, that's what we have to say there. Uh, I agree. The Raiders are just all over their place. The defense has been trashed this year. And it looks like Patty Mahomes finally found his stride with his new weapons. Um, I I will throw this out here. The Raiders figured out the run game. Josh Jacobs had a great week last week. That is something I think they need to continue to lean on because that's probably going to be their best bet at beating the Chiefs is controlling the clock. Patrick Mahomes has figured out a quick strike offense like he had last year with Tyreek Hill. Obviously, he's not there now, but he has figured out how to get the ball down the field and score quickly. And that's going to be the toughest thing for the Raiders to overcome this week. Absolutely. All right, let's get into our games of the week. 
man, what did, what was I thinking here? Why did I, I don't know. This... <laughs> huh. I, don't I know, actually dude. did Card... forget to pick this one. The Cardinals are fascinating in many ways. I, I think that's I think that's part of it, man. Because when you look at it, Jalen Hurts is everything that Kyler Murray was. Until really, you know, questions started creeping in in this offseason. And Kyler Murray has basically been playing like everybody thought Jalen Hurts was going to play when he came into the league. The Eagles are about the only team in the NFC East that should scare anybody. And I don't know what to think about the Cardinals right now. There are a ton of questions. This offense, it can go off. We saw it go off in a big way last week. Mm-hmm. But as far as. Can they continue that week to week against a hot Eagles team? I'm not so sure that they can. So I'm taking the Eagles in this one. It would be weird enough that that's exactly why the Cardinals are going to win. It would be one of the strangest outcomes of the week. Here's my deal. I don't necessarily believe this comes down to Kyler Murray versus Jalen Hurts. What scares me about this Eagles defense isn't even their offense, as efficient as they are. That rotation they have on that defensive line between Jordan Davis and Fletcher Cox has been absolutely insane all year. That defense is the reason the Eagles are in the position they're in. They keep giving their offense a a good good field position, good game. They keep points off the board. I, I'm riding with the Eagles on their defense. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> uh, and really – Rooting for the chaos there. Also rooting for some wild, crazy nonsense in the Lions Patriots because oh they're both God. one and three, and neither of them deserve to be one and three at this point. Um, it's Jared Goff, who is responsible for two of the top ten highest scoring games in NFL history against the Zappening. <laughs> I can't wait. It's gonna be so great. It's in Foxborough and I'm taking the Lions because fuck it. We ball. <laughs> I we we ball. We do ball. The the Lions do not ball. Their offense balls. They're de- How are you going to have the first ranked scoring offense and be 32nd ranked scoring defense? That's <laughs> You know, I've, I've got Detroit, something baby. funny. I've got something funny about that. I don't remember the exact time period. The Bears forced the most three and outs. And also had the most three and outs on offense. At the same time, the Colts forced the least amount of three and outs and had the least amount of three and outs on offense. Like, it, I, I don't know why was the that, NFL works this way. Was that the year they met in the Super Bowl? No, no, no. This was like a, this was a time span. I think, oh, okay. I, I don't want to. That would have been fantastic. Right. That would have been. It, it very well could have been too. I might be completely wrong about it being like that, that would several be incredible. years. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's insane. I, either way, I trust Bill Belichick more to get Bailey Zappi. I mean, Mac Jones Jr. Uh, ready to go. Um, no, Mac Jones For this father. game against against a a weak Lions defense. Honestly, here's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting every Patriots fan to be calling Bailey Zappi the the next Tom Brady after this week because he's going to have a game. And it's not going to be an impressive quarterback game where he's making tight window throws. No, it's going to be a bunch of dinks and dunks, and the Lions don't know how to tackle. So he's going to have inflated stats. Just Um, like Tom Brady. 
Just like Tom Brady, man. <laughs> Either way, I'm taking, the pa- I, I'm taking the Patriots in this. Their defense is better than... Their offense is better than the Lions' defense is bad. Like, it, it's weird what I'm trying to say, but their weakness is stronger than the other team's also weakness. Yeah, I just want a 30-plus point on both sides. Bailey Zappi versus Jared Goff. <laughs> I, this is happening. I'm just going to throw this out here. This is a battle of one and three teams, correct? Yep. Yes, sir. The Lions are the better one and three team. That's that's just how it is. Both teams have significant I, injuries. That's just the way it is. The Lions have proven that their significant injuries do not hurt them as bad. Now, they do have a bad defense. That's going to be tough to overcome. But I would take the Lions defense against Bailey Zappi over the Patriots defense against what the Lions offense has been able to produce. Hold on. Hold on. The Lions significant injuries, the guys they are putting in are just as good as their significant injuries. That's how bad some of these guys are. (laughs) Like, there's no difference between their ones and their twos. Pretty sure DeAndre Swift is definitely hard to replace, and they've been just fine without him. Isn't he expected to play this week? He is not expected to play this week. You know who's also been good, surprisingly, out of nowhere? Jeff Okuda. Like, I know the defense overall has been pretty trash, but so far this season, Jeff Okuda pretty well. Which Which is a vast improvement from where he was at the beginning of his career. Well, right. He looked like a bust as a UDFA early on. He was number three overall. Now he's playing like a second round pick so it's good good progress <laughs> <laughs> all right let's get on down to the boys and the rams i don't like this and i'm gonna call my one veto so you did it last week i'm gonna do it this week live on air i'm switching i'm switching to the rams i can't take the I, cowboys here i did, it last, did it last week okay well twice, actually i'm using my one this I week. swear to God, Broncos win another primetime ugly game. <laughs> it's going to be good. It's great. Love it. Um, but yeah, tell us about your game of the week. Now that I interrupted you. <laughs> I, honestly, you got two teams here. Uh, Rams are two and two. The Cowboys are three and one right now. Cooper Rush is riding a high. I want to see what if they can continue to put it together. I think they can. That defense that the Cowboys have have been producing on an, like on the field for the last three weeks consistently, even in week one, they look stellar. Um, again, I'm a defensive guy. I'm going to take the defense in this one. It's going to sound weird with the amount of star power on the Rams defense, but the Cowboys defense is younger and has been playing better this year. So I'm I'm riding with the with, with the Cowboys. Yeah, you know, we talked about the next Tom Brady. I think we're about to have a Tom Brady-Drew Bledsoe situation going on in Dallas. Uh, It looks like Dak Prescott's going to miss this week as well. Now, this offense is going to be hurt a little bit. Missing CeeDee Lamb looks like he's going to be out this week as well. But Cooper Rush has done something no Cowboys quarterback has ever done. We've talked about that ad nauseum already. And, yeah, I like this defense more. I like Cooper Rush more. Uh, If Dak Prescott was going to be playing in this game, I'd probably lean L.A. because I think that team has enough talent uh, to beat the Cowboys with Dak Prescott coming back from an injury. The Cowboys are hot right now, and it's it's tough to not take them. I know I said, no, you know, there's no team in the NFC East to be scared of besides the Eagles. 
but man, the Cowboys are definitely making a case. Okay. Can I can I just talk about how hot of a take this is? Yeah, I'm I'm more scared of Cooper Rush than uh, Dak right? Prescott. I love it. I love it. Like Dak Prescott coming off an injury, absolutely. Jeez. Especially one that he's taking even longer to rehab. You know what's crazy is that Cooper Rush is four and zero against ass teams. They haven't played have, a decent team have, this entire time starting. Have the Rams been good this year either? They've been better than the freaking Cowboys. Really? I would say yes. I mean, records say differently. We'll find out this weekend. Okay, hold on. And it's going to be the Rams. I'm taking the Rams. Unlike the NCAA, it's real easy to compare where these losses came from. The Rams lost to the Bills, who have beat up on everybody but Miami. Um, And they lost to the Niners, who only had one ugly game against the Broncos. Uh, the Niners those are two good games against the Bears, too. We can, I've said this from the beginning. We can throw that game out in the monsoon. The NFL can't. Record can't. No, you're right. The record can't, but. I would I would be more willing to give it to you that they started Trey Lance in that game when they should have never gone off of Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't, I don't know what you all are talking about. I wasn't paying attention. I'm just thinking about how in the world can Cooper Rush be more scary to you than Dak freaking Prescott. <laughs> all right. Before we rehash him. this argument again, let's move on to our fantasy picks of the week. Oh, before we do that, actually, we have some alternate uniforms that are going to be in oh, these games right. that we picked, which is always fun. Uh, starting off with the Cardinals debuting some all blacks, or at least they should be all blacks, but they have white pants. Honestly, I, I was having this discussion with you before the before the show, Doug. If they went black helmet on black shirt on black pants, that's an S tier alternate. Um, this currently. Uh, B minus the white pants really throw it off for me. I really hate how many teams said, Hey, we're going to do an alternate helmet this year because we're allowed to do it. And then black so helmet. many teams just made a black helmet. It's disgusting. And we also have a throwback coming back. This is the last time the Patriots wore at Patriot uniforms with the red jerseys and all, all the way was- against the, all the way back against the Houston Oilers. Yeah, Tom Brady is that old. This was the 1970s. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Brady versus Warren Moon. <laughs> In Boston, it wasn't even Foxborough yet. No, it was... Uh, you wonder if uh, Giselle is leaving him. 2009, uh, one of the, it was the AFC anniversary, 50th anniversary of the AFC, I think. Um, yep. And... So the Patriots wore their throwbacks. The Titans wore their throwbacks to when they were the Oilers. And the Patriots won 59 to nothing. Um, I doubt the Patriots are going to win this week 59 to nothing, I guess is theoretically possible with how bad that <laughs> Lions defense is. I was to say, 59 is in the realm of possibilities. I think the Lions will score more than nothing. <laughs> if you hit the next slide, though, I, we do have a little video. They are preparing those helmets right now and they look pretty sweet not gonna lie these are some of my favorite throwbacks in the entire nfl i think these are everybody's favorite throwbacks in the entire nfl let's be real i want to go back real quick 
to the uh, to the Cardinals here. We got Daniel Hill on Facebook saying they got to change the weak Cardinal, and I completely agree. This this logo needs an overhaul. Um, and yeah, but I, if you do I, like I an angry Cardinal, like Louisville does, the argument is birds don't have teeth. So what are you going to do? I don't. I don't think you need to do that. But this, I don't know. This this head sucks compared to the other bird heads we have in the NFL. That's all I'm saying. It's it's just sucks. I still prefer it to the Eagles since they have the eagle facing the wrong direction. Is it the wrong direction? Yes, it is. It is absolutely the wrong direction. Philadelphia is wrong for that one. You were right about cheese so. steaks. Wrong about eagles. <laughs> In what direction? I'll give, just... I'll give them. I'll give them a wash <laughs> on that then. <laughs> and before we get to uh, to our stardom situm as well, we do have a comment about the Rams Cowboys Rams game. Daniel Hill once again on hey. Facebook thinks Aaron Donald is going to feast at home. We'll see. I don't know what happened with the slides because that definitely is not the way it should have been. I, there no way should have been all three of us showing the Cowboys there. That is way wrong. And uh, I'm glad I have some support now with the Rams. <laughs> Thank you, comments. <laughs> all right, all right. But now do our fancy predictions of the week, our sit starts. All right, guys, I, I have... I have turtle shelled a little bit on my sits. Uh, I'm going with a a low hanging fruit here. Um, sit Jarvis Landry. He is clearly going to be the number three in New Orleans with where you probably drafted him, middle of the draft. He, he's not worth a start. He's not a flex start this week. Just not worth it. Yeah, I, I took I took the low hanging fruit on this one. The start of the week, I do have Garrett Wilson. Uh, I know it looked a little iffy with him and Zach Wilson to in their first game together last week. But I'll be the first to tell you, Miami is Miami secondary has not looked very good this year. And on top of that, they're missing Byron Jones, who's still going to be out. And Xavier Howard is still questionable. I, I honestly, I'm erring more on doubtful on my end uh, if Xavier Howard plays in this game. Um, so Garrett Wilson has a chance to go make a name for himself next week. And I, I think this is going to be it. Like, it hurts for me to pick a match against the Dolphins, but Garrett Wilson's going to have a game. By have a game, do you mean like a good yards game? Yes. Or a he, lot of touchdowns. Garrett Wilson should be up around the fifteen to twenty. Should be up around the fifteen to twenty point range. However, he gets there. That's the key. I'm just rooting for Garrett. One of these weeks, go off and at least, at minimum, tie the record for touchdown catches in a game, which is only five, and he can totally do that anytime he feels like it. So let's go, Garrett Wilson. <laughs> I believe Only <laughs> five. <laughs> and Daniel Harris with Hale is with me once again. I know a guy named Daniel Harris. I'm sorry. <laughs> Man, Garrett Wilson. When Joe, I love Garrett Wilson. When Joe Flacco is starting, Corey Davis was the go-to for Zach Wilson. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Uh, and I, I just. I should know better than to just judge a player based off the team they're on because I've done it so many times with the Colts. Uh, but I, I, I'm I, very scared of anybody on the Jets. They're going to have to do a lot more to prove it to me uh, than what they've done so far, I guess. 
But we flip-flopped from last week, as you could tell. Tug took the wide receivers. I'm taking the running backs. And look, I know Caleb Huntley was a hot signing free agency pickup for pretty much every fantasy league out there after the injury to Cordell Patterson. But I don't have faith in the Ball State product. At least not yet, right? This, I'm going to be real. I didn't even know who he was. That's, that's saying something. It. That's part of it. And he, I love the story. I really do. Undrafted free agent last year. Uh, makes it to the final cuts and gets waived and then signed on to the practice squad for the Falcons. I don't remember if he was third string this year going into the season or if he, you know, where he fit on the depth chart exactly. But I love that he's getting a shot uh, to play in a regular season game this week. I just don't have the confidence. And if he proves me wrong, I look, I have no problem being wrong on sits. I will say, though, I will be impressed if this start misses. Khalil Herbert for the Chicago Bears. Now, David Montgomery's status is up in the air. And did Herbert do as good last week as he had done in previous weeks? No. But that's the point, right? As the number one back, he actually did a little bit worse than he had. Obviously, didn't get a touchdown last week. The Bears didn't score any touchdowns at all. But he still got plenty of yards. So, whether or not David Montgomery is playing or not, I feel confident starting Khalil Herbert. He's either going to get you a touchdown or if he is the main ball carrier, he's going to get a bunch of yards. And, yeah, maybe the Bears find the end zone this week. That would be nice. Is, is that, I was going to say, is that a prop bet? It would be very nice. I don't <laughs> fucking start. <laughs> I want to start. Look, I, All I right. just got done doing the NFL carousel, and I'm, you know, I'm supposed to be the Bears fan on here. And I literally spent my minute and a half just saying – yeah, this team, they're not good. I don't – if, you, if you're if you a Vikings fan, this is a good game for you. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. not much to say. Speaking truth to power, I respect it. <laughs> it's, it's gross. There's a reason I'm not doing blogs. <laughs> I mean, understandable. Uh, so, we are moving on to college news. It's an action-packed NFL weekend, if I've ever heard of one. Got some new uniforms in there. Got some crazy games happening. Uh, college, also some, of course, there's wild things happening. It's college football. It's the definition of a crazy thing. So, we'll start by going back to Paul Christ. Getting fired by Wisconsin. Uh, the initial report was he was getting a buyout of $16.4 million. He negotiated that down to 11 mil. So what this says to me is this was very much so a mutual parting of ways. Paul Christ is understanding that that's not the direction Wisconsin wants to go, is the way that he's capable of taking them, and he's good to just move on. Kind of respect that. But but how many TBUs is this? Not doing the math. Fair enough. It's a lot of TBUs still. Uh, next question that comes out of this, of course, is what other Power 5 coaches are on the hot seat? And we've already had so many of them fired this year. It's kind of crazy to think about. Only heading into week six right now, we could be staring down double-digit Power 5 head coaches fired during the season at some point. <laughs> it's very possible. Um, the first names that jumped to my mind, and I want to gauge your reaction on these three before we move on to anybody else. Uh, Auburn's Brian Harrison, 
has been on the hot seat for as long as he's been announced the head coach at Auburn. People and has that scandal. Seem to like the guy. <laughs> and then he did that, and then he doesn't win games. So it's not been a good time for him. <laughs> also, Louisville's Satterfield is definitely not looking good. Uh, for all the talk about how great Malik Cunningham is as a player, Louisville can't seem to get it together and did just drop a game to the most anemic offense in the entire ACC in Boston College. Uh, people in Louisville, they love the recruiting class, but they do not love the results on the field. West Virginia's Neil Brown is the other name that jumps to mind. West Virginia seems like the definitively worst team in the Big 12 right now. And I don't know that Neil Brown is necessarily the guy to move you along in the right direction. Um, he's not from the big 12. He played at Kentucky, ended up coaching at UMass for a while. I mean, that's not a West Virginia guy in my mind. And yeah. with Kansas, Kansas state, Texas tech, all of those teams passing you by, even the newcomers, Cincinnati, BYU, used better records than West Virginia right now. Houston and West Virginia are kind of tied, if you look at it that way. But I would say on a neutral field right now, that's probably a way better game than it should be for considering West Virginia's talent level right now. I don't know that many people are talking about Neil Brown on the hot seat. I would say that he probably should be. Yeah, I mean, we've we've had it up here for a while, too, and we got it a little piece in the notes here. Jimbo Fisher, apparently there's actually conversations for a buyout here. Uh, I'm going to say a lot rides on this weekend. Now, we all know how this weekend should go. um, But we also know how it should have gone last weekend. If he can pull it off again, he's going to be safe for the year. The best case scenario for Texas A&M is they lose by 14. So, if they lose by 14, I don't think the boosters going to be any happier, though, is the problem. They need to no, do the unthinkable and actually win, which, come on. did last year. But they're not that good. And they lost I, their starting quarterback for the entire season to a broken what, hand. They, I was going to say, what, they were doing so well with him on offense? <laughs> That's kind of my point. This team has been I, absolute dog shit this year. <laughs> so I, I agree. What, basically, what I'm saying is you're right, Doug. The only way that I can see him saving his job is if he pulls off the the unthinkable, borderline undoable. Um, right. That's that's just where I'm at. That, But that is also something that would save his job yeah. no matter what happens the rest of the year. The other problem is his buyout is still over $90 million right now. I don't care who you are, that gets a little bit concerning to spend that kind of money on it. I know Texas A&M has a lot of big money boosters. Oil money is huge. I appreciate that. At the same time, I don't know anybody who's like, 100 mil? Easy. I'm cool with that. (laughs) I can name three of those people, and none of them went to Texas A&M. Right? I don't know. I don't know. If that's really realistic. Another name I know you've floated out in the past, Tug, is Mel Tucker. But he just signed a huge guaranteed extension. His buyout would be over $90 million. So I don't think either of those are really realistic right now. Even though 
everyone's kind of pissed. <laughs> I Here's one that I don't think is, but it's worth mentioning. With the way the team has been performing this year, the prospects for the rest of the season. Troy any chance? No, any <laughs> any chance Iowa moves on? Um, say they are more likely to force Kirk to fire his son than to move on from Kirk Ferentz at this point. He is much yeah, that's fair as Niall Kinnick at this point. Let's be real. Hey. I buy that. I, it was just worth the question. Like when you're looking at teams that's that are fair. underperforming from where you expected them. You got to bring That's Iowa fair. into that mix. I think as long as Iowa wins seven games or so, wins a bowl game here and there, they're pretty happy with life. Usually, Hawkeyes are yeah. amenable people. <laughs> I mean, that's just the nature of that program as well, right? Right. I think if I'm going through this list, Brian Har- Harson Harrison, however the fuck you say it, he's probably fine, assuming he can get bowl eligible. And then comes the Iron Bowl. I don't know that that's necessarily going to be a make or break because I don't know anybody that would take Auburn against Alabama this year. But I think they want to see a close game. I think there is an understanding that this team is just not where it needs to be. I don't know if that's a make or break because I don't know if he makes it to that game. (laughs) Yeah, and that's that's what what my concern is too. What you just said, though, Ben, is also more concerning. Like, Nobody's expecting Auburn to win, and that's not where the program needs to be. Usually that's the grade-A sign that this coach wasn't it. Um, I know he was trying right. to rebuild it from, from Gus, but it's the SEC. They're, they are impatient people. Um, they want victories, and they want them yesterday. So, Right. It's the same reason they fired Gus when they did. I mean, they couldn't get yep. past Alabama at that point. So. In the beginning, they could, and they gave him an extension, and then later on, they couldn't get past Alabama. All right, time to find somebody who can. If Harrison can't, find somebody who can. Yep. But I don't know. I legitimately don't know if he's going to make it that far because Auburn's not happy. I was going to say, the fact that he's also <laughs> still employed is kind of remarkable. Very, at this point. Very true. I would – Going down the list that we made for ourselves, Scott Satterfield. That one's tough. Again, Louisville not in a good position. He didn't really come in just anything great, but he's been there a while, right? I mean, he's he's in a very different position than Harrison, who's only had 18 games. He's had over 40, right? So I would say he's probably on a a bit thinner ice, especially with as wide open as the ACC is and was last year. And especially with Louisville getting a new athletic director. Right. So that's, I don't even know if that's beneficial yet, who the new athletic director is. If, if it is, we talked about it before the season. If they, but, if they get to five losses, I think he's done. If they get to five losses before they get to six ones, I think he's done. I mean, possibly, but that's only two more losses, which is tough. I, I know. That's tough. That's tough. I, but uh, you said the magic words, new AD. Yeah. I mean, he's he's had plenty of time. This 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 is kind of unexcusable for him. West Virginia, very much in the same boat. The best that I've seen them look was week one in the backyard brawl. Right. 
and then what's happened since then? It's they've not even turned into, Yeah, I, I mean, they've, it's that good. They've turned exactly, and they've turned into a middling team themselves. So, right. again, we've got another guy that's got exactly forty games at WVU, and he's not. I mean, this kind of same thing with Harrison. He has no ties to the school or the conference, right? I think that plays a big factor here as well. I know West Virginia wants to be in a better spot than they are, especially yep. when, like you already said, they're probably going to get passed up by these teams that are coming in next year. Although that's kind of dicey right now too, but that's a very different uh, different rabbit hole that I don't want to jump down right now. It does kind of suck speculating guys getting fired. Uh, in a way, I don't like it. and In another way, I love it so it's weird and it's creepy a little bit and also it's part of the experience of college football that's where we're at uh so let's speculate about a guy who could be getting a new job for once this is fun uh there's a lot of talk that utah state's athletic director john hartwell could be getting a power five athletic director job the theory right now is that would be at auburn most likely who has an interim ad at the moment now if that happens 100% I'm saying Harrison is out. Oh, um, Harrison's gone. Yeah. At the same time, fascinating to me that Hartwell's getting this much praise uh, because the success at Utah State has been mostly with other sports and not necessarily football. Like, last year was incredible. Out of, out of nowhere, Utah State was decent for the first time in a long time. At the same token, in Hartwell's tenure, at Utah State, they've been excellent at almost everything except football. Yeah. <sighs> how much oh, of it is you guys that? With some new news. How much of it is that getting a good football coach to come to Utah State is more of a challenge than anything else? Fair. I feel like Hallburn is going to be a much easier football head coaching position to fill than at Utah State. Fair. That was the case then why they had go after why why they end up with, with uh Harson. Like Well, to be fair to Harrison, he was not a bad candidate in his own right at the time. Just he didn't have no, connections but, to the SEC. And, and that's but that's what I'm saying is he you're right. He wasn't a bad candidate, but he's not the usual candidate you expect to go to programs that expect to be top SEC competitors. Unfortunately for Auburn, they don't have too many alums who are in the head coaching business right now. So yeah. well, they were kind of in a tight spot. They took the best power, the best group of five guy they could find, Boise fair. State with Brian Harrison. Well, and we got Daniel Hell here again with a couple of comments. You know, I, I think he's exactly right. Auburn coaches do not get a fair shot at this. They're already competing in the SEC, and then their rival is one of the top teams consistently in the SEC. Uh, I want to remind you that the 90s and early 2000s were not Alabama's time. Uh, right. Auburn had a little bit better path. So, I mean, this is something that kind of goes back and forth here. Is it definitely is it harder for them to recruit right now? Absolutely. I would not want to be recruiting against Alabama, let alone in the same state the, as Alabama. The the issue is the issue becomes what like with with that argument is the boosters expect Auburn to be able to compete with Bama in the recruiting realm. So the fact that you're saying they don't get a fair shake because they have lesser recruiting classes, I would argue is part of the reason they're getting the shake they get is because they don't recruit at the same level. That's, is that some of that at least on 
the team not performing as well? Absolutely. But at the same yeah. time, how I does think the revolving door of coaches plays against them too? It, right? it I does. Mean, you, but... When Nick Saban comes into your son's house, or he comes into your into your house and sits down with your son, you know that barring something dramatic, Nick Saban will be the coach in four years when your son is graduating college. You don't know that when Brian Harrison or whoever I, the Auburn head coach is walks into your house. Un- understand, but I'm also not going to accept a losing program just to keep coach stability, right? So they, they need to find right. that balance of somebody who is a – they need to find that great recruiter. They need to find – and I hate to say it, but one of the best all-time recruiters I have ever heard of is Urban Meyer. They need to find somebody that is that good at recruiting – Urban Meyer to, Earl, to Auburn. You heard it here first. <laughs> that would be honestly, that would be so. But, but wild. that's not. <laughs> oh man. That but that's Jeez. even though that's not like not what I'm saying. Like they need somebody who is. They need somebody who can can recruit. That's no. So there's that's what it comes down to. I think you're both hitting at something, and I think it's it's a weird situation too because it's not like we're talking about John Hartwell. Utah State. This is not a Utah State versus Utah situation where it's two different levels of right. program, different levels of funding, and different levels of expectations. This, These even, are schools in the, the same conference who have had success at different times. And just right now, Alabama is so dominant, it makes Auburn look quite next to them. Well, going to the SEC itself, Mississippi versus Mississippi State. Right. I mean, there, this conversation doesn't happen with those two schools, and it's not because one team's you know worse than the other significantly. They're even. Right. It it is. You look at it. I mean, Daniel Hill coming in with a huge fact for us here: forty head coaching changes in the SEC since Nick Saban took over. Right. Nice. I mean, it's when that is what you're going up against in your conference, oh, and God, then you I'm, throw one that's in the out. same state. It's tough. It's Nick tough. Saban is to SEC coaches what Nirvana was to hair metal bands. Just oh, a career ender. <laughs> At least Kobe made his last shot. Oh, no, I messed it up. Oh, I'm going to remove myself. Oh, I, oh no. Man. Awful. Awful. I feel bad not because of what I said because I fucked it up. You should feel bad for both. All right, so <laughs> let's, now let's, let's get into some alternate uniforms because those are fun. Uh, we'll start with the Ohio Bobcats putting a paw on their helmet, which looks way better than the freaking big clunky Ohio with a Bobcat on it. They should make this their permanent helmet. I think Clemson would have something to say about it, which I don't think Clemson has it. Huge argument. It's a different color. We're good. <laughs> it's tilted differently, and I mean, the, fair. There are very distinct differences in this. Oh, in this I mean, I know what you're saying. Though. Yeah, I, I do know what you're saying. Yeah, that is an yeah. issue for Clemson's is a tiger paw, later. and this is a bobcat claw. We're good. <laughs> we need biologists on the case here, I guess. There's uh, <laughs> zoologists. <laughs> Next zoologist, yeah, uh, we have the one in question. Oh. <laughs> Doug, so this is Tug. Hold on, I'm surprised you're <laughs> this excited about it. You normally hate chrome domes. 
I, I'm not. I, no, I'm not excited about the Chrome Dome. It's the meme around it that makes this amazing. So Troy sorry, came out this with this perfect. picture of their alternate helmet this week, and decided to make create this meme around it because it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful helmet. I love it so much. So this is a red Chrome Dome with their 1980s logo. The Troy Trojans will have the copyright infringing logo on their helmet. Michigan State came after them, and that's why this can't be their primary anymore. Uh, But, yeah, they can have it as an alternate, and they're wearing it this weekend, and I'm very excited because this helmet looks incredible. I I really want them to schedule Michigan State and only wear their alternate helmet when they play Michigan State. That would be very petty. Yes, I mean, I would love it. Absolutely love it. (laughs) Oh, man. What's next? We got more alternate uniforms, man. Oh, we do. It was all black because we had a we had a little few transitions here. Jeez. Oh, look at Bo Nix looking Fancy. great. New Oregon Duck colors. Yeah, Somebody splatter the... painted these jerseys, but I I really it like looks, these. It looks like a duck egg. Is that, that is... what you read, or do you actually believe that? Have seen duck eggs, and they are speckled like this. I, I believe I'm it. That confident that's what they're going for. I, I will didn't, say, I didn't see that said anywhere, but I'm pretty sure that's what they're going for. I love when they go with the O on the back of the helmet. There, mm-hmm. it's yeah. They've got they've got the black wings here. The O on the back of the helmet is probably the best part of this uniform, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I like just like o. that it's not neon. Right, that's kind of the better thing about it. <laughs> Easy on the eyes. Uh, we had a couple other uh, big uniforms I thought were in between. All right, these slides got messed around, but now we're talking about Boise State, I guess. Which, all right, so this is very dark, and it's kind of hard to tell. This is a blue jersey on black pants, which is unusual for Boise State, and I'm not sure that I like it. I kind of think I don't you like it with the blue they chose. Should go one or the other almost, maybe. I don't know. I think the the picture is making it very hard to tell what blue exactly this is. Fair. Um, yes, I picture they I put agree. out. So I know it's, it's blame awful. Boise State. They should go with some. They should if they had gone with an orange top here. I think that would absolutely be better. Honestly, that would I be pretty cool. I completely agree. I completely. Oh agree. yeah, and then, yeah. That could even fantastic. You could have even kept the helmet. I know that's a lot of a lot of colors going on there, but. I think this one yeah, has but it's Boise State. They're known for having a lot of colors going on. It's kind of their thing True. now. Especially on the field. I love these out of BYU with that Bats. black black gradient on the helmet coming up to the blue. Uh, they very rarely wear all black, but this week they are playing Notre Dame in Sin City, which is the wildest thing to have ever been scheduled. <laughs> Why the Mormons and Catholics are I, playing in Las here's, Vegas. Here's what I love. This is amazing. Like, <laughs> first, first of all, I do want to say this is the best gradient helmet I've ever seen. Right? I mean, yes. the, the Jaguars had a gradient helmet for how long? And they were just And it looked awful. awful. The Falcons gradient uniforms are pretty pretty ass. This magnificent. All this black is going up against all of this white. For Notre Dame, <laughs> this is going to look 
beautiful on television. It's opulent. Why? I want to get back to this point. Why did the Mormons decide to battle the Catholics in Sin City? Like, we had every other place in the nation to choose. I think I mean, that's Vegas the was only founded place that really makes sense. So either, either they play in the Vatican or, like, in Jerusalem and just call Troy's it the battle for the Holy Land. Troy's battling in the Vatican this, this week, okay? Jeez. And, I actually uh, really, I don't really know. like these uniforms too. It's wild. I kind of don't. I think it's too over the top. Personally, it, that shoulder that striping. I odd... like, I like the detail in the shamrock though. Yeah, is that an homage to the Vatican actually, or where is that? That's my next question. Notre what is Dame. It? Yeah, is it? Dame. okay. That's what Notre I figured, Dame. but thanks. The real one. Yeah, the one that burned down. The one that everybody pronounces correctly? I don't know. Over here, it's Notre Dame. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a, one, one more, I think. Uh, should be the Tennessee Smokies. Uh, I ben, you gotta say, you, you had, like this. Honestly. I was going to say, Ben, you have to admit these are, these are sick. It's sick that they always play like absolute dog shit in these uniforms. And I swear they lose every time they wear them. Because it's always this big deal that like, hey, they always look cool, but we, they always play like shit. They always do something awful and blow a lead or something. I've been corrected a couple times saying that they don't always lose wearing these, but I swear to God they always, always lose when they wear these. I will say, I never... Game. This is insane. I never noticed before that solid stripe going down to the checkerboard at the bottom on the leg actually looks kind of cool to me. And uh, we got the comments saying they don't know what the reference to. This is in reference to the Smoky Mountains right there, which I love that. That's what I thought of instantly. They're calling them the Smokies. It's, yep. That's actually kind of perfect in my mind. I actually love this uniform. This is a detail I might have ju- might have missed previously. Is that the silhouette of them on the front of that helmet? I can't highlight where I'm seeing it, but right here. I I know what you're talking about the uh, the dark on it the helmet. There's a dark because like you see it here as well. Yeah, yeah I, I believe that makes these even is. better. That's I approve these, but I will also agree it's really weird to wear these on the road. We think. Uh, yeah, let's, let's fact check our check ourselves here. They they are they are on the road at LSU. At LSU. No. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were saying yeah. fact check ourselves about that being the Smoky Mountains outline. Oh no no no! Which pretty sure that it is. And and, and I, I think I respect it. I, I I'll throw this out here. If that which I think it, I don't think it's a picture quality. It look I, I see it in all three pictures, so I'm assuming it is the Smoky Mountains. That makes less sense that they would wear this on the road, right? Right. I, right. I've always loved the the concept that they're going to pay homage to the Smoky Mountains with let me, the Smoky let, uniforms. Let me throw this out here. They usually wear these at home. They usually lose when they're wearing these. Let's try and w- wear them on the road and see if we get a change of uh, change of fate. Well, and they're playing LSU, who normally wears white at home, so at least they're doing that. Very true. I Very will say true. those helmets are up in the top five for me of all time helmets. 
behind both, I don't know the order of these, but behind both the Navy, um, when they had the ships painted on the helmets, and then Air Forces in their C-130, the spooky heritage, those were those were still top all-time helmets. Awesome. Weren't those ships hand-painted, too, by the way, yes. one guy? They were all over yes. the course of yes. five years or something crazy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that was awesome. We do have a lot of games to pick this weekend. We have actually six ranked matchups we're going to be picking from, and then three that we picked ourselves to watch out for. So we'll start off with the FBS ranked versus ranked. Starting off, this is three different conferences, which feels nice. I like this. Uh, Starting off with the Pac-12, Utah at UCLA. Utah has one loss so far. UCLA is 5-0. At the same time, almost everybody in the AP, at least, believes that Utah is still the better team. They did lose at Florida in the Swamp. Almost don't blame them for that. (laughs) At the same time, Florida is not like that great this year. So we'll find out if the Pac-12 has a legitimate shot at the playoff i think uh the winner of this it'll be the winner of this one against usc for that conference most likely the way things are looking right now yep i I like (sighs) one of you go for it (laughs) yeah it's not even it's not even getting cut off that i stopped for it's it's the fact that UCLA has such a good program and good season going. And it is and no fans showing up. It might be joke. fans of this one, though. I would hope so, especially with the implications that you're putting out here. I right. completely agree. And I absolutely think that when, you know, if UCLA wins, which I'm picking them to win, that USC-UCLA game, if it's not sold out, I know the Big Ten did it for TV money. I know they did. But you've got to be sit- – Kevin Ward's got to be sitting there saying, what the fuck, guys? Really? really? How are they less popular than the Chargers? I, <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it, man. I think Utah is the more talented team, in, like, in theory. I really don't know who's going to win this game, though, because UCLA has talent in the right spots, and also that talent is very experienced at this point. Like, for example, quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson kind of scares me. Cam Rising, as a sophomore, is also freaking amazing. So, we'll see what uh, we'll see what Utah can do. I kind of want to roll winning Pac-12 champions, though, for this one. I'm, I'm rolling at UCLA. I don't know. They come out. They play different this year. Like, they come out hot. They play well. I know they gave up a lot of points at the end of the game last week uh, to Washington that made that game look a lot closer than it was, but UCLA seemed fairly dominant in that game. And I, I like what they're bringing to the table this year. I'm going to ride with UCLA. I honestly gave Michael Penix his worst game of the season by far. And it's kind of impressive because Michael Penix was on a tear there with Washington. Uh, next game up, we do have Tennessee at LSU. We've already talked about this one a little bit with those alternate uniforms. But number eight at number 25, after that loss to Florida State at technically a neutral site at New Orleans, uh, LSU has won the rest of their games so far and snuck, snuck back into the top 25. Uh, we're not throwing out the BDT trench ratings just yet live on the show. That'll be the week after next. Uh, but LSU is definitely in the top 25 up there as well. 
Like, LSU is a good team right now. This is going to be a tight one. And with Tennessee being on the road, it makes things very interesting. Um, also, have to consider Tennessee has two ranked wins, but neither of those teams are ranked anymore, Pitt and Florida. I mean, they win this one, LSU won't be ranked anymore either. True. I would love for both teams to lose, but frankly, I'm going to give it to LSU as the home team here. Is that why, or are you going to give it to LSU because you hate Tennessee? No, I think there's a legitimate argument for LSU. Uh, no, there there absolutely is. Like, I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout, but Tennessee has been surprising me this year. Uh, as you can see with my picks, if I like the way that you've been playing the past few weeks, that's who I'm going with. Uh, hint to, to KU there. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Tennessee in this one. They they are out on a tear to prove themselves, and I think they do it here. I love that offense a lot more than I love that defense right now. At the same time, I think the defense is better than a lot of people are giving it credit for. And Tennessee's probably the better team right now. I think Brian Kelly at LSU is going to work way better than I want it to, though. And I regret saying that. I already hate it. We'll see. Make it stop. <laughs> and third ranked matchup of the week in the we have TCU at Kansas. College game day is coming to Lawrence for the first time ever. Kansas is off to their first 5-0 start since 2009 when they also started 5-0 and uh, and were ranked and then lost the next seven games. So we'll see what happens here. Uh, that losing the last seven games of the season is the reason that Mark Mangio got fired, even though he definitely had Kansas at the best they've ever been especially in 2007, which was the last time they were 6-0, and and they ended up 11-0 and before losing to Missouri. So, very different Big 12 back in that day. <laughs> uh, but TCU at Kansas, a battle of two underestimated teams to start this season. I, oh, man. yeah. I don't agree with either of the two comments we just posted here. I actually really like the way Kansas <laughs> has been playing. Their quarterback is going on a tear. Uh, I know TCU just shut down Oklahoma, but frankly, Kansas's quarterback has... Shut down is not even the right word for it. Yeah, like, but Kansas's quarterback nuked. is way better than Dylan Gabriel. At least that's the way he's been playing. Uh, so until something proves to me that he can be stopped, I'm going to go with Kansas. I mean, last week, Max Duggan was also way better than Dylan Gabriel. So That's my point. <laughs> First I think TCU is, has a legitimate shot at winning the conference. I really do. And I know we just had a comment saying that I had this in my mind before starting the show. Uh, TCU looks like a legitimate team right now. And it might come down to them in Oklahoma State, honestly, for this conference. I'm taking TCU. Yeah. First of all, put some respect on Jalen Daniels' name. All right. This, right. this is definitely going to be a much harder game for Jalen Daniels. Than, that's his name. Uh, for TCU than what they had last Jeez. week because of Jalen Daniels. Right. He is, he is as much of a reason that this team is where they're at at Kansas as anybody else in this entire program, right? He's taking his licks, and it is paying off in a big way right here. 
Mike Tackett, I don't think when Kansas and Kansas State play, they'll both be six and five. I think Kansas, I don't think Kansas wins this one, but I don't think they fall off a cliff like they did back in 2009, right? It's going to be a tough game. By no means is TCU going to get this one easily, but I do think there's a better overall team. I think Jalen Daniels has endured a lot over his time as Kansas' quarterback, and he set them up for the future. Right now, I don't think this team is in a place to beat really a Big 12 contender like TCU. And let's be real, TCU might might sneak their way into the college football playoff. They would have to go undefeated to do so. I'm going to say that off the bat. But if they, I could they see have them a doing decent it. shot. I could see them they have doing a decent it. shot. Uh, so that is our FBS ranked matchups. We also have three ranked matchups at the FCS level. And, you know, we love to talk some FCS football from time to time. Start us off with number six, Delaware at number 17, William and Mary. Very much so a clash of styles. Delaware loves to throw the football and throw it for a lot of yards and a lot of points. Uh, Give it to the Blue Hens. They've won all of their games so far doing that. So that's pretty good. (laughs) William and Mary. Navy. Yeah, but, like, Navy's not good. So does that even count? Yes. I think we call Delaware 4-0, actually, not 5-0. Maybe just doesn't count straight up. <laughs> William & Mary does have one loss. That was to Elon, who we highlighted last week, and beat Richmond. Uh, Elon seems like an actually good CAA team right now. And William & Mary is trying to get up in those ranks as well. So, William & Mary in exact opposite fashion of Delaware, loves to run the ball, runs it very effectively, at least so far this season. And it should be a fascinating style-bending battle. I don't know how else to describe it. (laughs) What do you guys think? I mean, I'm going with Delaware on this. I don't know that William & Mary can slow them down. I've seen Delaware do it week in and week out so far. Like I said, they did it against Navy. They did it against URI. Uh, and they've just been replicating that the entire season. This is another situation where I need to see them slow down before I can pick against them. I don't know a ton about William and Mary. I don't know a ton about the history of them as a football program. And so because of that, I'm more comfortable with Delaware and that's where, (laughs) that's where I'm going with them on this pick. Completely understand. At the same time, I'm kind of picking William and Mary because I don't know much about them. I think it would be really cool if they won. So, <laughs> gotta be honest, William and Mary tribe fans. I I just learned about you this weekend. <laughs> uh, next up, we do have number 21, Eastern Washington, at number seven, Weber State. Now, Weber State is four and zero, and Eastern Washington is one and three. But they're still ranked, and for a decent reason, those three losses are to Oregon, Florida, and by only three points to a top five FCS school in Montana State. Now, that was last week, and Eastern Washington is on a little bit of a skid here. Weber State, on the other hand, has looked very good, including wins over Utah State and UC Davis, who is always in the playoff conversation at the FCS level. It's at Weber State. Makes me want to go with Weber State here. I mean, I like the Eagles, but I kind of 
kind of have to force my hand. <laughs> Someone's going to ride with the Eagles. They, they've played well in all of their games. Um, look, those are two power five teams uh, ranked at the time that they played. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Eastern Washington here and see that they pull it out and get back on the winning track. To be fair, Oregon did beat Eastern Washington like 70 to 14. So they tried, they were, okay? It was a ranked power five. It also wasn't not even close. <laughs> Weber, Weber State is one of the schools that performed really well in the spring season, the 2021 spring season, and then kind of fell right. off in the fall of 2021, finishing six and five last year. This year is not the case. They're fully rested and kicking everybody's ass. Yeah, I'm going with Weber State here. And last up for our ranked matchups this weekend, the Southern Illinois Salukis are at the Missouri State Bears, number 24 at number 19. Now, both of these teams are going very much in opposite directions. Let's just put it that way. Uh, Salukis are 3-2, and two, losing their first two games and then beating Northwestern. That's right, Big Ten Northwestern. And then uh, starting to turn things around that, that way. Uh, Missouri State, on the other hand, started 2-0, and looked incredible, and then have lost three straight, starting with their loss to their Power 5 opponent, that one being Arkansas. So very opposite directions right now. Uh, I know we had all kind of pegged SIU at the beginning of the season as one of the teams that might be legitimately scary come playoff time with how experienced this team is and how talented they are at key positions. I'm going to take SIU in part because of that and in part because kind of have to ride the hot streak at this point and the cold streak at the same time. If those, if those mesh as well as these two schools have them going, it's kind of hard to miss. Huh. Well, yeah. Go ahead, Doug. I was going to say, I'm going to take Missouri State to break us up here. Uh, honestly, I don't know. I still have a bitter taste, bitter taste in my mouth from the way the Salukis lost those first couple of games. I, I've Fair. been trying to keep up. It's hard to, but yeah, those first couple of weeks are gonna gonna weigh in my decision here. I'm going with Missouri State. Well, and Missouri State played way closer against Arkansas than anybody thought they could. Yeah. Well, I, I'll give you. I'll give you this. SIU got absolutely destroyed by UIW. I have no clue where this incarnate word team came from uh, that they in absolutely Texas. ripped apart. Yeah, I mean, wow, thanks. In fairness, I lived in San Antonio for over a year and had no clue the school was there, right? I mean, <laughs> but SEMO, that was a close game. They were outscored <clears> in the fourth quarter, 17 to 14. Final four was 34 31. The following week, they go and beat Northwestern, and then they beat North Dakota State. Last week, they finally have a close game. You can say beating Northwestern is huge, but they, they won by a touchdown, right? This 19-14 to win over Illinois State last week, being able to win that close game, which is something I'm expecting this week as well, is going to play huge in their favor. Doing it on the road twice, or back-to-back -back weeks, that's going to be the difficult part. However, I've got faith in the dogs. You're saying you don't think beating Northwestern was that big, but Nebraska couldn't do it. So oh. <laughs> let's go Salukis. <laughs> Nebraska couldn't beat Georgia Southern either. So I'm saying it wasn't a field goal game. And shout out to the kicker there. He uh, 
alumni of the same high school as me. So uh, let's go. Let's go Tigers. Uh, then we also have three games that we wanted to watch out for. Mostly unranked teams here. Uh, start off with Washington State at USC. Bug, what do you got for us? Yeah, this one is extremely intriguing to me, right? I mean, USC is having a fantastic season. And when you look at what is going on in the same city, uh, they're not. I, I just I don't understand how USC has all the support and everybody's behind them, and then UCLA is across town and nothing, right? At the same time, everybody was questioning what Lincoln Riley coming in was going to do, and there were a lot of questions. Nobody was really sure. Nobody knew what to expect from this team, and here they are. It, it's just proof that Rink, Lincoln Riley was really everything at Nebraska, or not Nebraska at Oklahoma. We got Nebraska in the comments here. I'm sorry about that one. So, yeah, I mean... Huskers wishing. Huskers. The Huskers <laughs> are wishing for that, right? Absolutely. No, I totally stuff. get that USC has looked really good, especially on offense. And we kind of talked about it either last episode or last week, how Alex Grinch, defensive coordinator at USC... Following Lincoln Riley, he was there with him at Oklahoma as well. He has worked for Lincoln Riley. I don't know why he works so well with Lincoln Riley, because when he was at Ohio State, he sucked. And uh, you know, it just it works with that system, I guess. Um, but both sides of the ball have really turned a corner. At the same time, they're susceptible to some tight games with tricky teams. We saw it against Oregon State. I think we're going to see it again with Washington State. And it's very possible USC is looking ahead past this one just the same way Wisconsin looked past them and ended up losing at Camp Randall 17-14. They have my boy Cam Ward. I have to shout him out every single time we bring up Washington State. Love that guy. Incarnate Word transfer. UIW coming back to bite us again. Uh <laughs> No, I actually really like Washington State this season so far. They only have one loss, and I think they're going to play this one tight, if not come out on top. I'm going yeah, to put some faith in them. I don't like this 17-point spread at all. Right. At right. all. And I want to throw this out here before we get to your game, Doug. Mike Tackett here on Facebook. Yeah, we are highlighting FCS football here. Try to do it every week. Obviously, uh, I've mentioned it before. I'm from the Southern Illinois area, very familiar with Missouri Valley Conference. Doug is an encyclopedia of college football knowledge. He definitely carries us in a lot of FCS regards here. And I completely agree with you. The fact that EA is not going to include them in the college football video game coming out here soon is an absolute injustice. And I, I will not stand for it. I know. It's I really sad. Honestly, some of my favorite memories of the old NCAA games were taken like Harvard to return to glory. <laughs> All right, looking at this USC matchup, Ben, you're asking why USC gets all the love and UCLA doesn't. The answer is simple to me. It's the star power they brought in with Lincoln Riley, who brought in Caleb Williams and the slew of players he brought from Oklahoma. That's the difference there. It's easy to get behind. That being said, this is kind of a selfish pick here for me. The reason I say that is it is good for college football when both USC and UCLA are undefeated. Um. So I want that to continue. I have picked them both in this week. 
I'm going to continue to do so if they stay undefeated. Uh, maybe it's me wishing, but those teams being undefeated is really good for college football. So this is a fun sentence that's going to involve basically all of our picks here. Um, since announcing their move to the Big Ten, USC and UCLA are both undefeated. Uh, and Texas, Oklahoma, going to the SEC, are very much not undefeated. <laughs> but let's take a pit stop at the Big Ten first. Um, Purdue at Maryland this weekend should be a battle of some very high-powered offenses and some pretty lackluster defenses, not going to lie. Um, but it should be very fun to watch. That's kind of what I'm looking forward to most here. I love Aiden O'Connell, one of my favorite players in the Big Ten for literally no reason. And Maryland has probably one of the best receiving cores in college football right now outside of, you know, your your big hitters. Um, it's, like, weirdly good <laughs> watching these pass offenses. Uh, at the same time, neither of them can run the ball for shit. So should be kind of hilarious. Uh, very non-traditional Big Ten game. That's, that's what it's all about anymore. <laughs> Let's get that TV money up in the D.C. market. I do not fear the turtle. I completely agree with you. It's Purdue in this one. Yeah, I love Aiden O'Connell. I have to go with Purdue. I'm 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 taking the Terps. Um, give me give Which, me Talia. This, right. Here's the that. thing. Here's the thing. This isn't a I'm taking the home team. Um. This is a Purdue is really good at making trap games, but that's when Purdue is at home. If this was at Purdue, I'd be much more swayed to go your way. However, it's True. it's in Maryland. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take Maryland. I think it's really because you have a secret crush on Mike Loxley. <sighs> who? <laughs> <laughs> that's, it's funny. Nobody knows who that is. <laughs> Um, All right, guys. From Maryland gets no love. Anyway. All right, guys. I I'm going again with my low hanging fruit. I cannot shy away from rivalry games, especially when they're not happening in rivalry week. Uh, this is a big one. These are two teams that are struggling in the Big Twelve. I think they are the bottom dwellers uh, between the two of them in the Big Twelve. Actually, no. It's no. The bottom of the conference is West Virginia by itself. All right. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> either way, lost to Texas last week. I, either way, both of these teams are struggling this year, uh, either through injury or through getting a new coach and not knowing how to survive uh, and not knowing what defense is against TCU. Um, Even though you were a really good defensive coordinator for a couple yeah. of national championships for some reason. Yeah. Really weird. <laughs> <laughs> this game has the makings of a classic Big 12 game and a classic Big 12 rivalry, and I love it. Uh, so I'm going here. I think Oklahoma is going to get back on the right track. I still don't know what's going on with Quinn Ewers. Texas really hasn't looked the same since he went down. Not that Hudson Card, I don't think, is a big downgrade. I think it's it's not a big drop-off in talent. I think the system was more built for Quinn Ewers in the offseason. Um, it's looking I'm, I'm going to like, Oklahoma here. It's looking like Quinn Ewers might be back for this game. Quinn Ewers is expected to start in this one. It, Doug, At the or same not Doug, time, and, Ben, didn't you just say Cooper Rush was more scary than Dak Prescott coming back from injury? So I'm going to apply that same logic here. 
Hudson card scares you more than a return from injury Quinn Ewers. I mean, <laughs> that's not <laughs> actually a I valid point. <laughs> I don't think so. Anyway, um, I don't think either quarterback scares me particularly much at the moment. They have to prove something first. At the same time, you know, this is probably going to be uh, actually a really close game. I honestly yeah. kind of flip a coin on this one um, to end up with Oklahoma. This is the first time they've played against each other as unranked teams since like the mid nineties, both of them being unranked and in matchups where both are unranked, Texas usually wins apparently, but also we're talking about a long time ago when Texas was decent and they're not anymore. So, and they're not back either. I'm taking Oklahoma. Horns down. I, I 100% agree, horns down. I love throwing the horns down, but I can't this week. I, I'm going to give the edge to two things here. The first one is that Quinn Ewers, in the little bit we got to see from him this year, absolutely outperformed Houston Card. Right. And really, Hudson. I Hudson Card, exactly. I, I think the argument can be made that. Texas wins that game against Alabama if he doesn't go out. Yeah, it's possible. I think uh, Texas they is were, a very – We're trending that way for sure. Right, and I think Texas is in a very different position if he never goes out. And to a lot for a lot of the same reasons, Tucker's saying, you won by one point, all right? Don't tell me to stop. That was a struggle win if I've ever seen one, okay? You stop. Right. Was that another flag on Will Anderson? So, <laughs> right. So, the big the bigger thing here is I don't think Sarkeesian is going to get in the way of Texas the same way Brent Venables might. This is a big game every year at the Texas State Fair at the Cotton Bowl. Look, if if OU wins, I won't be entirely surprised, but I'm going to give a slight edge to Texas here. Yeah, Dylan Gabriel might not be playing this week as well. Does that help or hurt OU? I don't really know. But I think when you were coming back, helps Texas a lot more. Who would be playing if it's not John Gabriel? Is that general booty time? Oh, oh, yes. <laughs> he might be third string. First team all name general <laughs> booty. <laughs> I mean, I really wouldn't be surprised if Texas won. Like I said, I think I legitimately flipped a coin for this one. It's been a few days since I picked it because I. Assumed that Tug was going to pick this game. <laughs> uh, General Booty is, in fact, the third stringer. It would be Davis okay. Bevel. I would Damn, rather that's... put in General Booty. Same. Yeah, right? I have no faith in a Bevel, but give me some booty and I'm good. <laughs> Life motto right there. <laughs> so that's our games uh, to watch this weekend. We have nine of them. If you're not multiple television sets this Saturday something's mentally wrong with you and you need to get checked out by a psychiatrist um, so let's talk about some prospects to watch <laughs> Jesus. we'll start with the offense so this weekend I'm wanting to watch out for senior redshirt senior wide receiver for Maryland Jashawn Jones not getting any hype going into this season mostly because his stats before this year have been pretty lackluster, uh, to, say, to say the least. 
Uh, kind of broke out as a freshman. Had one week where he did win Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week um, as a freshman. That's pretty cool. Then tore his ACL. Never really saw the field too much again. And then so far this year, out of nowhere, he is leading the team in receiving yards, even over five-star receiver Raheem Jarrett. So I want to watch this guy. If he can keep this up and actually work his way into a, like a senior bowl invite, something like that, this is the exact kind of guy who would get that invite, by the way. Uh, a guy who coaches just want to see a little bit more out of. They haven't seen enough in his career. And, I mean, this is this is a huge breakout season so far for him. I'm really hoping he can keep it up. I'm rooting for the guy. Yeah, it's ironic that you picked against Maryland still. I know. I know. <laughs> I think either way that game goes, every receiver on both teams is going to have at least 200 yards. So <laughs> let's go to the defensive side of the ball this week. I'm taking Carl Brooks defensive end out of Bowling Green. Now he did switch his number to number 11 in the off season. So if you're watching us live and you see number 44 on the screen, that's still Carl Brooks. Um, nobody's taking pictures of this guy, which they definitely should be because he's kind of tearing things up. Now he, Kind of had his breakout season in 2020, which is going to sound weird to say. He only has 10 tackles and two sacks. That's over the course of four games. So <laughs> he kind of lit things up in the COVID year. Came out 2021, six and a half sacks over the course of the season. Is definitely on track to break that this year. You think? Yeah, I also think this is a great matchup for him because they're playing Buffalo this week, and Buffalo has already let up so many sacks. I mean, it's kind of unreal. They're 79th in the nation in sacks allowed, uh, number one being good there, so 79 being not good there. Uh, I think Carl Brooks could get himself one or two in this game alone, and uh if that happens, once again, this is a guy who's definitely on one of those watch lists. He's actually, he is on the watch list already for the East-West Shrine Bowl. And that could be one of those opportunities where he gets noticed as a prospect for sure. And, I mean, looking at these stats, this is probably the only bright spot of the Bowling Green defense. So maybe if you happen to flip to some action, Carl Brooks might make you want to stay for a second which is cool <laughs> i like it it's not often not often we get to highlight an action on this show i know so i definitely love it but i have nothing on the non-nfl pro news front we've got we've gone through so much other news as far as the nfl and the ncaa i think it's time to get back to that segment we introduced last week or earlier this week yes. not even last week and uh yeah, why why waste any time? Let's get right on into it. So yeah, Mount Rushmore's. Uh, we are taking our personal top fours, and all have to be different top fours across various topics. Uh, so we're starting off with things that we've already done brackets on because we've done a lot of brackets at this point. Actually, quite a few brackets. Uh, we start with Heisman Trophy winners. So 
the bracket results themselves, the top four of that, went up against each one of us in creating our own top four. But all four of those Mount Rushmore's up on Twitter had you guys vote, and we'll come at you now with the results of that vote. So in fourth place, we do have Tug. <laughs> Sorry, man. I will rethink how I look at this. I had a good idea going in. That's clearly not how the fans want me to go. Yeah. I will make corrections. If you'd I'll... stuck with your theme, it would have been better, but the random Charles Woodson ruins this. I know. I, I wanted. I honestly really just wanted the defensive guy in there. I didn't even think about it. Um, I knew yeah. that's what you were doing. I also hate it, and fuck you. <laughs> you can only say that because you have more points than me right now. <laughs> True. Uh, Barely. Third is me. <laughs> a little bit of a homer at number one, for sure. Maybe just entirely flip these guys around and I would have done better. <laughs> at the same time, a team with Tim Tebow, Marcus Mariota, Tony Dorsett, and Archie Griffin deserves more votes than this. We need your help on Twitter, is what I'm saying. I will say we got very direct response about this one in particular that Hey, look, we got we got Archie Griffin, the only two-time winner on this particular Mount Rushmore, has to be the one that wins. Unfortunately, that's not how it worked out for you this week, though. I know it's brutal. Uh, and then, technically, we had a tie at the top. There is no number two because bracket results uh, with Barry Sanders, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield as the top four here got. Several votes and Bug got the same number of votes, uh, with Bo Jackson, Johnny Manziel, Reggie Bush, and Niall Kinnick. Which I honestly do like both of those lists, so I kind of get it. I, I gotta say, let's go back to the, the bracket revolts here for a second. Aside from Barry Sanders, who won and deservedly so, right? I mean, he mm -hmm. had this is a college football career that people still talk about to this day day i don't know if we'll see anything like it again reggie bush had an amazing season i would still take barry sanders at osu over reggie bush at usc that year right aside from barry sanders this is a very very recency bias heavy top four true and true. it was something something i mentioned about archie griffin and yeah we broke archie griffin up between his two heisman winning years when we did this bracket initially but he still lost twice didn't make right. the final four here. So I think ultimately that hurts the the bracket results. And I think that's what helped me. Yeah, Johnny Manziel is pretty recent. And even Reggie Bush in their grand scheme of things, especially talking about Heisman Trophy winners, is very recent. But then I also threw in some older guys. Right? I should I should Bo Jackson. We got Niall Kinnick. If you would have taken Niall Kinnick instead of Charles Woodson. I was gonna say I should have traded Charles Woodson over to Ben and taken Niall Kinnick. I would have not accepted that trade. <laughs> Man. What what if I paired it with Des Howard in there too? You can have Charles Woodson and Des Howard. Just nobody wants them. I'm exactly to, why I wouldn't have done it. I'm about to go offline, folks. See y'all. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before we do that, let me get into some links and I'll push it over to Ben here. Oh, this is my least favorite part of the show, guys. I have to take a breath before I do it every time. You have to like, read? <laughs> yeah, at the end, read. All right, guys. We do have our links. As always, they will be linked in the description below if you cannot understand me or you don't want to listen to me talk on the pod. 
Uh, we have patreon.com slash BDT football, twitter.com slash BDT football, facebook.com slash BDT football, <laughs> instagram.com slash BDT underscore football, BDT football.com. Email is mailbox at BDT football.com. We are currently working on getting our YouTube channel a custom link. In order to do that, you need to hit the like, uh, subscribe, and you know what? Hit the bell for funsies. And I've never gotten to say that before, so we're going to throw it in there. Um, it will be linked below. That's it's too cool. long for me to read. Uh, and then we are working on making our Discord a public forum. Uh, I'm putting some heavy hours into that this weekend, so expect updates on that here soon. And before we go, uh, one of my quick editors, I will be gone next week. Uh, oh my which god! Is the first time I've been gone in a very long time. I was gonna say, let me be the first to say that Doug has earned and deserves this, but he can't drive fifty-five. Damn right. Where's the? So I want the button. So, um, yeah, I still, I'm still giving these guys my picks and stuff. You'll still have my pretty face on them slides if you come check us out on Twitch as we're doing these live. Hey, get but, the bell on on Twitch, by the way. Right. Um, honestly, more important than YouTube at this point. <laughs> Hit that one first, and then go to YouTube. Hit that one second. Um, but yeah, I will. I won't be on for either show next week, so I'll be back the week after. Um, what date is that? Because that will be the day that we debut our top ten of the trench ratings alongside the A people. Um, with the seventeenth. Yep. So, the, are you gonna? Are you telling me you're gonna drop it on Twitter on the 16th, along alongside the AP poll? We just really put it in their face that we're better. Absolutely. Uh, we're only making the top 10 public though, because this is kind of a long, arduous process of creating these rankings. The way that I do them. So, if you want to see the entire 131, you gotta uh, sign up to our Patreon, which Tug just ready to link for. So go do it. Help help grow the show. Yes. We want to do, do more things Please. for you. Do it. I dare you. Do it. Do it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we're talking about people making shows. I should be here the next three weeks. But, you know, just in case, I kind of want to bring in a little spooky season with the dad Ooh. jokes here. Why don't monsters eat ghosts? Um, I don't know. Because they taste like sheet. You could have gone with a, with, with our conversation today. You could have gone with a booty full joke, and it would have been so much better. Doesn't, doesn't make as much sense. I no, I didn't say in that joke, but you could have come up with one. I have faith in you. Wow. Okay. Come Be up better. with a bad joke. I was on the spot. Don't even prepare them beforehand. Be better. Oh, that's not true. I've seen where they come from. I got I got sources. I got multiple sources. Exactly. That's my point. Alright, we are we are, are we are falling yeah. into nonsense here, digressing. We're that's way past my bedtime. That's, that's all right. All right. I'll I'll take us on out here. Thank you for watching or for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Just remember, you can't win a game if you can.